Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Hey, good morning, Rescue Church. Welcome to each and every one of you in all of our locations. Before I start preaching today, I just want to say, uh, if you're new to the Rescue Church or joining us for the first time, we are one church meeting in multiple locations. So when I welcome all of our locations, I'm talking about not only Flandreau, but I'm talking about Coleman, South Dakota, and Deeside, Jamaica, and our Deaf Campus in Peoria, Illinois, as well as all of you watching online and on Facebook Live right now. It's awesome to utilize technology to just spread the gospel out anywhere God would take it. And so whether you're watching online or in one of our physical locations, let me just say we're truly delighted to have you with us today. Quick question for you, and I need you all to play along, whether you're at home or or at church, I need you to raise your hand. How many of you have ever had this happen before where you eat a meal, and whether it's a, a few hours or a lot of hours later, you start to find yourself feeling hungry again? Let me see your hands. Yeah, okay, Like that's kind of a trick question because every hand should be up right now because as human beings, that's what happens to us. We eat a physical meal, and in a matter of time, we're hungry again. If you have teenagers, that's about 15 minutes after the meal is done and put away, they're hungry again, and they need to eat something. But the truth is, that's what happens anytime we put physical food in our body. It fills us up for a moment. And then before too long, we start to feel empty again. We start to feel hungry and we're like, I need to eat some more food. That's exactly what happened to the crowd that we looked at last week when Jesus miraculously fed thousands of people. Remember the story? They're gathered together. Jesus is with his disciples. This huge crowd shows up in John chapter 6. Jesus asks Philip, what are we going to do about their hunger? Where are we going to buy bread for all of these people? And remember how Jesus took this small amount of food. He took these five small loaves of bread and these two small fish, and he somehow multiplied that to feed thousands of people to where everybody had enough to eat. And then when it was all said and done, they picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. But today, as we continue that story in John, we're going to see that, guess what, happened to the crowd. Even though they got their bellies full temporarily, guess what happened They wake up the next morning, and what do you think is on their mind? After they probably went to the bathroom and all that stuff. They are hungry, and they want to eat. So we're going to pick up the story where we left off last week. John chapter 6, starting in verse 22. John says this. He says, The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there, and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went to Capernaum, look at this phrase, in search of Jesus. This crowd goes looking for Jesus, okay? Notice that phrase. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now watch what Jesus says. He doesn't even answer their question and tell them I walked across the water last night. He doesn't even say any of that. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. 
Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Here's the first thing I want you to notice in the story as you're following along with me on your handouts. Write this down. I want you to see this, that Jesus exposes the fact that the majority of this crowd was seeking him for their own gain. Remember when it says they went in search of Jesus, they went searching for him? That's good, right? Like, I hope today that I'm speaking to some people in all of our locations and online who are searching for Jesus. I hope there's people in the sound of my voice right now that don't really know Christ yet, but you're searching. But Jesus points out the fact that you're searching for me really out of wrong motives, You're not searching for me because you recognize my deity and because you want a relationship with the God who created you. You're searching for me because I put on an amazing display of fish and chips and you had more than you could eat and you were filled and satisfied and now you're hungry again and you're looking to fill your physical bellies. You're searching for Jesus for the wrong reasons. I would contend that even today people search for Jesus for the wrong reasons. We come to Christ sometimes with impure motives. Maybe we heard some late night cable TV preacher telling us that if we just prayed a prayer and invited Jesus into our life, we would be healthy and wealthy and we would never struggle and it would really help if we sent his ministry $1,000 today, you know, to sow a seed. And we've been a little bit misled that that if we bring Jesus into our life, he's kind of like our cosmic genie that we carry everywhere with us, and he just does for us everything we ask him to do, and our life gets better because of Jesus. I would contend our life does get better, much better because of Jesus, but but if that's our motive in in coming to Christ and searching for him because I want a better life, we're missing the whole point and message of the gospel. Our focus is on the physical, not the eternal. I've known of stories where people have accepted Jesus as their Savior because they wanted to win a girlfriend or a boyfriend over. That girlfriend or boyfriend said, you know what, we can't get married unless you become a Christian. And so guess what? They became a Christian, not because they wanted a relationship with Jesus, not because they were looking to satisfy the eternal longing of their soul. They they wanted to marry this girl or this guy, and so they sought Christ for those reasons. I see politicians do it every single election season. They get on the TV and their commercials and they pander to the audience of Christ's followers and say the things they hope Christ's followers want to hear them say. It's not because in many cases they genuinely have a real authentic relationship with Christ. They're just putting it out there for the motives of political gain. I mean, we could go on and on and talk about the wrong reasons that people go in search of Christ, but I, I, I noticed the fact in the story that Jesus exposes that. He calls that out in this audience, that you're not looking for me because you really want me. You're looking for me because you want what I can do for you. And then, notice this, if you'll write this down on your notes, Jesus challenges the crowd to long for spiritual nourishment, not just physical nourishment. We heard Jesus make that distinction. You're looking for something that will fill you up today. I want to give you something that can truly satisfy and leave you satisfied. Never hungry again. I would contend, even as Christians we do this, that so often we spend much of our time and energy and our passion pursuing things that are earthly, that are so temporal, they're temporary, they do not last 
And, and again, we, we live in this physical world, right? So there's things we have to deal with every single day. We have to eat meals, and we have to work to provide an income, and we have to do certain things, and there's entertainment. And I'm not saying any of those things are in and of themselves wrong, but I'll tell you where we get off track is when we put so much time and energy and focus into the things of this world that do not satisfy, do not fill us up. They might bring temporary happiness, but they don't bring joy. And we miss out on the greater reality that there is a spiritual hunger inside of us that we're looking to fill. And Jesus is about to tell us he's the only one who can fill it. And we, we spend so much time pursuing things other than Christ pouring our time and effort and energy into things that at the end of the day don't matter for eternity's sake. Can anybody say fantasy football? Can anybody say Netflix and Facebook? And I'm not preaching against any of those things, but it's amazing how we can give so much of ourselves to stuff that really doesn't matter. But when we think about this spiritual hunger, what does that really mean? Like, What, what are some things that we hunger for spiritually? I would say things like true peace and joy and truth. Like people wanting to know, is there really truth? Can we know the truth? Life, you know, Jesus said that he came that we may have life and have it more abundantly and purpose. Do you know how many people are going through their life every single day longing for purpose but having no sense of purpose? And, and again, on one hand, I might be describing non-believers, people who are outside of Christ, but dear Christian, listen to me. I'm describing Christians. I know people who claim to have a relationship with Jesus, and yet so much of their time is put on the earthly things that they go through life with very little sense of purpose and passion for why they're here. They don't get up in the morning grateful for a new day and looking to charge the hill for what they can do for God's kingdom. They don't have purpose. They don't have peace. Their relationships are full of turmoil and dysfunction. And there's very little joy in their life. And man, I'm telling you, when, when I see that in a Christian, it's evidence to me that someone is putting so much focus on here and now instead of eating from the bread of life and being filled to satisfaction. And that's what Jesus is going to move on to here as we keep going through this story. Verse 28, look at this. This is an interesting question. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this. He's about to tell us what the work is that we have to do. Are you ready? Lean in and listen. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's our job. That's our work is to believe. But notice before we focus on that, notice this works-based mindset of the people. A works-based mindset says, what do I have to do in order to earn God's favor? What work do I have to try really hard to make God happy with me and pleased with me? If you want, you can jot down on your notes this simple word, religion. Because, friends, that's what religion is. Religion is a man-made system of rules and structures and morality that says you have to try really hard to overcome all of your bad deeds and outnumber your bad deeds with good deeds so that God will accept your hard work and how moral you've been and how righteous you've been. And Jesus gags on religion because God's word tells us that your best moral effort is like filthy rags in the sight of God. He is not impressed with how well you can follow the rules. 
and try hard to earn his favor. That's not the work that he requires of us. The work he requires, if you want to write this down, Jesus declares that faith in him is the key to eternal life. It's our faith in Jesus that is the key to eternal life. That's the part we play, is we believe. Now, you you may want to write this phrase down. It's not on the screen or it's not on your notes, but I would just contend, and I think the Bible supports this in, in James, that our faith leads to good works, right? So if we have faith, if we truly believe in Jesus, it will affect how we live our life and it will affect the morality and the works that come out of our life. But our salvation is not dependent on how hard we can work to have the bread of life that Jesus offers. Jesus said, you want to know your work? It's to believe. It's faith in Christ, and it's in faith in Christ alone that is the key to eternal life. He did the salvation work on the cross. And we're going to see more of that even next week as we look at what does this mean, this whole idea of Jesus being the bread of life. We're going to dig even deeper into that. Let's keep reading. Verse 30 says this, So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? And then look at, they're really hinting around, like, hey, hint, hint, we're hungry. They said, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. If you want to jot down Exodus 16, you could go back and read about how God provided manna, bread from heaven, to feed the children of Israel as they're out in the wilderness. So they're kind of hinting around, hey, do a sign for us and maybe make some bread for us because we're kind of hungry. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. That sounds like really good bread. Give us that bread. Look at what Jesus said. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. By the way, we're going to see in just a moment, like next week, not in just a moment, in a couple of weeks, we're going to see how this crowd is disappointed when they hear this. Because essentially, Jesus just shut down the buffet. Jesus just said, you know, the, the fish and the bread that you ate yesterday and that I displayed evidence of who I am, that's not really what I came to give you. I am the bread of life. I am what really satisfies. And, and we're going to see that most of this crowd is kind of disappointed. They're like, oh. We were just kind of hungry. We are just hoping for carbohydrates to fill us up. And Jesus is kind of saying, I'm like the king of carbohydrates. <laughs> I am the bread of life. So on your notes, if you want to write this simple statement down, Jesus claims to be the source of true spiritual nourishment. And he's not really unclear in any way about this. He's very clear. I am the bread of life. I am the one that the Father has sent down to give life to the world. You want to be filled? You want to be satisfied? You want to be full of life? You'll find it in me. I am the bread of life. And it's through faith in me that you can be full of the bread of life. This next verse is disturbing to me, and I want to park on it for just a moment. I just want to read the next verse. Verse 36 says, But as I told you, this is Jesus saying to the crowd, As I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. You've seen me, 
You've seen me heal people. You've seen me bring dead people back to life. You just saw me yesterday take a small amount of food and multiply it to where the whole crowd of you had something to eat to the point of being full, to the point that there were leftovers. You have seen me and you still don't believe. I wonder if I'm speaking to someone in the rescue church today. You clicked onto this message. Someone invited you to one of our campuses. You're sitting there right now, and you have seen all kinds of evidence of God's existence in your life, and you still don't believe. You say, John, what kind of evidence are you talking about? Man, I would just say what deep in your heart you know to be the case when you look around at the created world, nature, You see the sun coming up in the morning and the moon coming up in the evening and the stars in the sky and the lakes and the trees and the animals. And you look inside your body and you're like, man, this is a pretty complex system of of systems that all rely on each other. And I have this amazing body that has a tendency to heal itself and and to fix things when they're wrong. And, And all of that evidence points to what deep in your heart you know to be the case, that there is a God, there is a higher authority. And so desperately you want to believe what they told you in school, that there is no God, there is no creator, there is no purpose. You are God. You are the source of morality. Whatever you think is right, you get to decide. But deep, deep down, something inside of you is unsettled. But you still don't believe. Man, to me, that's a a sad verse. That people can be brought face to face with the evidence of Jesus Christ and still stiff-arm him and push him away and say, I don't believe. And as we're going to see next week, that's not so much a head issue, it's, it's a heart issue. It's not so much that, oh, wow, I can't get my mind wrapped around the supernatural reality of someone who can call a dead person back to life or heal someone who hasn't walked their entire life and now they're walking and jumping and dancing around. It's not that I can't get my mind wrapped around that that must be something supernatural. It's a hard issue of I don't want to surrender my life to that supernatural God because if I surrender to him, then I'm off the throne of my life and he gets to take control. That's really what's at issue here. But man, I pray I'm not speaking to someone in our church today that Jesus would say that same thing to you. You've seen me. You've seen evidence. I have been there so many times in your life and yet you still don't believe. My prayer is that today you're doubting, and let's just call it really what it is. My prayer is that today your rebellion comes to an end. And you humble yourself before the authority of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you receive Jesus into your life. That's my prayer for you. Let's finish up this passage, verse 37, and then we'll bring it to a stopping point at verse 40. 37 says this, All those, Jesus is speaking here, he says, All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Look at that promise from Scripture. Jesus is saying, If you come to me, I won't push you away. Doesn't matter what your past is, doesn't matter where you were last night. If you come to me in faith and receive me, I will not push you away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but will raise them up at the last day. Then look, look at this last verse. He says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. 
Friends, I just want to pause the story here. Next week, we're going to continue on in this passage in John and see how the crowd responds to this. Jesus is about to go even more deep into teaching that they're going to find a little bit abrasive next week as we continue the story. But I just want to ask the question, as we look at that statement of Jesus, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. My question for you is, have you looked to the Lord Jesus Christ and received the gift of eternal life that only He can bring? I'm asking you today, have you had that moment of surrender in your life where you have received Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? To use the words that Jesus used today in this passage of Scripture, have you eaten the bread of life? Or are you so trying to fill yourself up with the things that do not satisfy? And let's be honest, they bring temporary satisfaction, just like that physical meal we talked about early on. Yes, temporarily, you'll feel a little bit of happiness, a little bit of contentment, a little bit of satisfaction, but it does not last. It wears off so quickly. And Jesus is offering you something so much more filling to where you don't have to say, I'm still hungry. I'm still looking for something. Jesus says, I am the source of life and truth and joy and peace and contentment and purpose. I'm the whole package. I'm the bread of life and I'm making it available to you. Have you received him? To the Christians in the sound of my voice, I just want to ask you this question. What is Jesus saying to you today? Through the power of his Holy Spirit, what is he talking to your heart about? Because, again, this isn't just non-believers that get sidetracked with the bread of the world, so to speak. We as God's people, we as Christ's followers, can ourselves lose sight of the bread of life. And even though Christ lives within us, we still try to fill ourselves up with things that don't satisfy. And maybe is the Holy Spirit convicting some hearts here today and saying, you know what, you've been putting so much priority on this thing, this promotion, this relationship, this this financial goal, and at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. You've lost so much sight of me, and you've lost so much focus of me that you're starting to believe that this will fill you up, and do you recognize the emptiness you're feeling lately? Do you recognize the the loss of satisfaction, the lack of fulfillment in your heart and in your life. I wonder right now if the Holy Spirit would be convicting some hearts in our church saying, you know what? He's talking to you right now. This is for you. This is God's word for you. My challenge to you today would be to repent of believing that lie that says the bread of this world can somehow fill us up and that you would just turn to the bread of life and receive Jesus either for the first time into your life or to come back to Christ and say, Lord, forgive me for taking my eye off of you. Forgive me for believing the lie that somehow the the fish and the loaves can satisfy when truly you are the bread of life. Hey, listen, if there's something that we can do to help you, either to answer questions that you might have or to help you in your spiritual journey, I would just say talk to your campus pastor, talk to one of our volunteers in whatever location you're at. If you're watching online, we've got volunteers online. We've got hosts there that would be happy to visit with you as well. My prayer is that nobody walks out of here today hungry. I mean, I know it's about lunchtime and we're going to go eat. I'm talking about spiritually hungry. I pray that we all walk out of here full of the bread of life. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you are the bread of life, and I thank you that you came down from heaven in order that we could truly be satisfied and full. I believe right now, this morning, Lord, there's people in the sound of my voice who are not satisfied and they are not full. They're empty. 
They're hollow. They're searching. Maybe they're searching for you for the wrong reasons. Maybe they're searching and they don't even know what it is they're searching for. They just know they're looking for something to fill them up and what they've been going back to again and again isn't working. Holy Spirit, in this moment, I pray that you would just speak to hearts and convict whatever you need to say. I pray that you would do some powerful things in the life of your people through this message, Jesus. We love you. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share your truth with these people. It's in your precious and holy name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.